0: So, say my name again. Naomi. Naomi. Naomi Cavaday. That's how my mother says it. Of course. I've always told her she was wrong. Should I be grovelling now? How could your mother be
1: wrong when she names you?
0: Well, that was always my issue, was why did you give me a name you can't
1: pronounce? But she could pronounce it, because that's how she <laughs> pronounced <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you not accept that? At what age did you rebel <laughs> <laughs> very young.
2: <laughs> I get Four? that feeling for very young.
0: <laughs> you could form sentences. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I was quickly out the door. My mother is Celia, by the way. Slightly oh, easy. No, that's slightly that's very easy.
1: Gigi is very very easy. I mean the name to pronounce. Yes. Don't I think get me so. wrong. And Rob is I would say even easier. Well, Robert really, which Are you is Robert? a Are trickier. you a Robert? It's two syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robert. I it, I really, I really wish I still was Robert. I only became Rob because when I went and did a, a screen test to read the news for the first time ever, regional news, not national.
0: Um, That's better. That's where all the good stuff
2: happens,
1: though. So. Yeah, it is. It's you cats know. up trees, yeah.
2: dogs down yeah. drains. Why is the first thing we always think about is cats up trees? do well, you know, and it's such
1: a fallacy because I think, actually, I think one of the first stories I did read was, in fact, about a cat stuck up a tree. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and they just put my name caption up. Uh, they say, who is this? Sitting in the seat as a as Rob Curling and so my name caption came up as Rob Curling and that stuck.
2: And Rob Curling is joining us on the oh, podcast hallo. this yes. week but Rob Curling, it, it sounds good, <laughs> Rob Curling. Thanks, that's very kind of you.
0: Yeah, it's a smart name, it's, it's, it's kind of, the curling bit's a bit unique Rob, that is quite unusual. Rob's quite standard. That's but bit standard, I agree with you. I'm not saying you're standard, of course. You're you are anything. <laughs> you're causing trouble Mr. already. a very special <laughs> guest on the podcast. Very
1: special. The, where does salmon come from? The sea. It's, uh, it's French.
2: So it's, it's salmon. You but see, when, I found
1: out it's not actually salmon, it's a the
2: fish. But when people say... It's not. How, it's not how do you fish. spell it? Yeah. And then you spell it, they go, oh, salmon. So
0: I just left it at salmon. Interesting. And Cavaday? Oh, Cavaday. Now, well, that's that, that takes a while to get. Is that through. the correct pronunciation? Well, it's Cavade. not a is not a real name.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, we've had this conversation. We have had this conversation. You had a lot of name conversations. <laughs> we bonded <laughs> over.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I it? have to say, going back to my first name, I would. Al- I've always pronounced it Naomi rather than Naomi. Right. But I'm now. I've just. I was just chatting at lunch with some of the guys <laughs> and with with Gigi, and, and I'm up for a rebrand. So Naomi, it is. And I was wondering Good. if God, it, I'm
1: pleased to hear that.
0: Naomi had a brand in the first
1: place. Because <laughs> if you rebrand, it means you were a brand. So
0: you have actually been a brand. Yeah, the ATP are rebranding, spending millions. Yeah. Oh, they're just they're making everything
1: shorter. Well, so maybe you okay. should just be Ne.
0: Naomi. but maybe. maybe I should I should chop my surname. Well, actually, I mean I am getting married next year and I'm in oh. I'm in deep thought about to what to do with my name. Who? His name is Ben Austin. Ben Austin. Yes. That's a good name. And it's odd because he's Ben just Ben. He's not yeah. Benjamin or Benedict. He's ben just no, Ben. No, that's ben, a modern ben, thing,
1: ben. isn't it? That's been happening for about the last thirty years. And that's really odd. That's modern. Yeah, really Naomi just Austin. Names. Nice. Well, I'm just
0: in a bit of a dilemma. You know, changing a name's a big deal. It's a big thing. It's an odd thing to do. Well, a lot don't. A lot but of people don't. What about going double barreled Cavenday Austin. Well, I'm actually technically already double barreled because my dad is Day and my mum is Sava. Oh, that's, that's right. So, so I can't be triple barreled because then Savard I'll just French, be a bit of a tool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> triple barreled is, is up there. Savard Day Austin. Curling I could...
1: comes from Coeur de Lion, Richard the Lionheart, French, Coeur de Lion, French. So that's French a tenuous royalty. link, isn't French it? We lo- have Roy- yeah. French royalty on the podcast. Yeah. Marcus <laughs> Buckland is exactly the same. He claims also to be descended from French royalty.
2: Like the way you added with him, he claims. Well, uh, <laughs> you is just nailed direct.
1: on. <laughs> <It's>, uh, correct.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah. you're making... OK, so decisions to be made about the surname... Well, yeah, I'm just
0: kind of toing and froing with it. At the,
2: the best moment. part
0: of it was your conversation with Rob. weren't you missing a letter in your name altogether? Oh yes, we were talking about it on air and again because every time we speak, yeah. you, correct you, you you correct me <laughs> and if I introduce myself as Naomi, say, <laughs> no, no. Naomi. No. Uh, and then we were having conversations because people will either call me Naomi, Naomi or Naomi. Where
1: does that come from?
0: And that's exactly what you asked me on air and I said I don't know because there's no i in my name. <laughs>
1: You see, you really struggle, don't you? You can't pronounce your own name, you can't spell your own name.
0: Yeah, How did you get by in school? Well, I, I did all right, because I never had to use my name very much. Um, but I've never really liked my name that much. Oh, I've never, no. I really like the Cavaday. Uh, but no, the Naomi, I've, because you can't Naomi. shorten it. Sorry, the Naomi. Mm. Naomi. The Naomi you can't really shorten. Uh, but obviously, I did remember there was an I at the end of my name before <laughs> somebody managed to jump in and make me feel like a complete fool. Could you be Nay? Nay. <laughs> well, now, Amazing. as a junior, you know what sports people are like. So as a as a junior playing tennis, when I represent my county, Kent, I was, it was shortened to Nay. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of like, come on, nay, That's <laughs> the general thing. And then uh, quite quickly, without me having any say whatsoever, it, be- it, it was neigh, and people were neighing at me like a horse. Oh, clever. Yeah. And then it was just, come on, the horse. Oh, <laughs> but oh wow. But it said that, in that... quite, a, uh, quite a, an aggressive sort of Kent accent of, come on, the horse! <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I think that's a bit of a shame.
0: Why well, got really upset. Uh, I'm not
1: surprised. So what
0: are you doing? Do all junior tennis players have nicknames? I think I think just sports people in general. Yeah. It's
1: just uh, If you're I, involved in sport in any way, shape or form, you know, even as broadcasters or whatever, it's always you know, it's Brucey or Chavsy or what am I Chavsy? Are you curly? <laughs> Chavvy. <laughs> I'm curls, curlers curlers is good. Uh, and a few other things. <laughs> that we can't
0: broadcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's about it, actually. Well, uh, so now,
0: now I'm kind of st- now I'm down. People just call me Cav or Cavs with an S yeah. because my brother's Cav and I'm Cavs. Yeah, that's like
2: that. it's all Quite complicated. It's all very
0: complicated. Rob, what the, are you? W-
2: mm. What are you doing at the OT? What's your? What's that's your, a really good question. Because well, you're walking around at the moment wearing a suit and carrying a tennis
1: racket. Oh, I'm it so glad you spotted that. Doesn't normally go together. No, it doesn't, does it? But I have just been on court. Uh, with Born a Charge in your suit, I've been hitting with Born a Charge in my suit. <laughs> yeah, they would. They thought it would be funnier because it's on camera if I wore a suit, uh, although I did de jacket. Do they the... say
0: that before every little bit that you do? It'll be funnier, Rob, they, if uh, you do. wear this. Yeah, try this hat on.
1: Dignity went out of the window a long time ago. Oh. But that was rather nice. Was just right. He was teaching me how to serve. Okay. And his top um, tip. Isn't he lovely? Oh he is super. In fact we're we did all big fans an early morning breakfast chat with him at his hotel the other morning. And he's such a good talker, isn't he? He's he's bright, he's intelligent, he's very erudite and just easy company. I thought he was terrific. Because I I mean, I interviewed him a few years ago and he was the ATP star of tomorrow and he was great then. And then subsequently I've watched him a few times on court and thought he's a great player but gets a bit angry, wears his heart on his sleeve. Nothing wrong with that. But I thought, oh, what a shame. He's obviously changed. And of course, met up with him again this week. He could not be more charming. He's
0: he's just fantastic. So is his dad, Damir. I've been really lucky to spend a fair amount of time with him. You've you've spoken to to them as well. And I mean, Borla's just... He, he is. He's just really engaging, very generous with his time and yeah. his opinions and, and those yeah. sorts of things. And he's also really appreciative of everybody who works around him and
1: that sort yeah. of thing. He's fab. Do you think it matters? Should should players be liked? Is it important? I mean, out there. we're just looking at Liked by who, though? Well, that's... Well, you, uh, liked by the fans. Is it important uh. that the fans, well, care enough about them, like them, like what they see? Because... Now, when they're on court, they're in their office space, and when we're at work, we sometimes get cross, don't we? Because things aren't working properly. And I just wondered, should should it be that they should work harder to be come across as as decent, nice, easy go, easy going people? I think on the court is that what you're talking yeah. about?
0: Well, the thing is, we don't get a huge amount of access to them off the court. No. Um, I, that's what I, I feel like anyway. It's fantastic. I mean, you've got so much time with them through this week. But oh, really, we Do you speak to
1: all of them? Pretty much. Yeah, they're absolutely sick and tired of my face. <laughs> uh, the, the singles players less so, actually, but the doubles players we get a lot of time with. And they're kind of more chilled anyway. And they are... Yeah. Uh, really good fun I mean uh, to a person to a player they are just great company they love to have a laugh they don't take anything too seriously except of course when they're playing but generally you know they, they love a good old chin wag and a gossip and they, they're just <laughs> they're great they're really good
0: I think that I think that you do need to be aware of how you come across on the court um, but I mean but some players don't care that, that's well does that mean
1: do you think they should care or should um, it matter? Should well, it's matter?
0: difficult. It's difficult because there's always this argument of, well, you're a role model and a mentor. And it, it's not, you know, but that's just kind of put on them. It's mm. not, that's not just, they just play tennis. And I know mm. that that's very easy to say. And, you know, they obviously have some sort of celebrity status with them, especially when mm. they're playing in an event like this. People know who they are. But it is really difficult. I mean, I, I always had. Kind of as a coach when I work with my juniors, because you've got to try and stamp it out young. Mm. That's, that's why it's <laughs> yes. really helpful. Um, but I talk a lot to them about kind of how they communicate with umpires and how you argue in terms of if if you're frustrated or if you mm. think they've made a mistake, you can have an argument, you can have a discussion, you can tell them that you think they're wrong. But there are certain things you can't do. You can't mm. make it personal. You can't tell them that they're rubbish at their job. When would you tell anyone in life that they're rubbish at their job? It's just not a nice thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, I've had I've watched juniors and they've said things like to umpires and, and uh, saying, oh, my grandma could do a better job and she's dead. <laughs> and, uh, they, and they're doing it for a laugh from their mates and whatever, yeah. and they're venting their frustration. But I just, and I, I, I give them an absolute earful afterwards because I'm like, do you understand what you've just said to a, an adult? In, in, for me, I'm just like, in, in what situation in life would you ever do that to anybody? Mm-hmm. So it, it's this kind of, but they just think, well, I'm just, I'm just having a go at them. You know, Djokovic has a go at them, and Murray does and stuff. But they would never say that. That's it's really mean. it's interesting from
2: our point of view because on court now we've got Sasha Zverev. And you speak to a few of the journalists, they find him sometimes quite difficult yeah. because he's, he's quite aloof and doesn't really want to get involved. But then if you speak to the fans, when he walks out on court, it's like a pop concert. You have teenage girls screaming for him. They think he can do no wrong. It's quite weird in the jobs we do. I'm sure, Rob, you've gone into interviews and the person has been receptive or not. Yeah. And somehow you've got to try and make the best of who's sitting in front of you.
1: Yeah not always easy is it? it yeah they either do want to know or they don't want to know or he's been okay actually Sasha again don't you find it helps if you if you pick them up young <laughs> <laughs> I've always yeah. found that helpful yeah yeah quite uh, no, so you you know you <laughs> you get to know them as they're sort of coming up just just starting to make it as a, as a player and they know you so uh, I think they kind of <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> I think they quite like that. They're sort of... So, Zverev is one. Chorich is another. Tim Hemman, actually. I remember when, when I used to do the sport on the regional BBC News, I was going off to the Beckenham tennis oh down my way yeah it's a lovely tournament isn't it It oh it was fab. that's one of
0: my earliest earliest ever memories is running around through
1: the grass courts at at Beckenham when the tournament was on yeah it was a great tournament and I was going down there to cover Jamie Delgado because we'd kind of flagged him up as the next great British hope as indeed everybody had and um, I remember going down in, in the car there and they said, oh, um, apparently there's another chap there who's up and coming that people are talking about called Tim something. Can you look out for him? So I said, <laughs> well, I will, but it, I, I think we'll just look at Jamie. So we found this Tim Hemmer <laughs> chap. He was all right. And so I feel I've known Tim almost his entire life. I mean, he was a mere teenager then. In shorts. Well they're all in shorts, aren't they? No yeah. But so actually it is if you as I say, if you get them young, <laughs> I think that that kind of stays with with both them and and us. And you just I think that helps with the relationship throughout their career. Who's the
2: most difficult person you've ever had to interview and who Ooh. has been the best or the most fun?
1: Oh that's quite true oh, the most terrifying was Bernie Eccleston. Really? Head of Formula One. It was just what I'd heard about him before I even went to interview him is what terrified me. It's the reputation. His reputation. Mm. um, But went to his offices and actually he was fine. And at the end of it he offered me a job. Did he? Uh, Well, sort of. And so, what's what's a sort of job? Well, he said uh, you might be interested in making some of our videos for us. I said, Oh, thank you very much. I didn't follow it up because I'd only just started working with the BBC and that had been a lifelong (laughs) childhood ambition. So, I wasn't going to suddenly move off into Formula One. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, that was frightening. In terms of really difficult, gosh. Oh, I don't know. You? What about. No, not interviewing you, but I mean. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, people say it can be very difficult. Well, we had this conversation a few podcasts ago, didn't we? You
1: can. <laughs>
2: You, it, you know, sometimes it's the reputation, isn't it? Sometimes you're going to interview someone and you just think they're terrifying or they can be difficult. I remember Michael Ballack, the footballer. He's the loveliest man in the world, but you had to have... It's when he was playing for Chelsea. You had to have a reason to interview him. So, And sometimes you're, you're trying to gather content for Chelsea TV and your producer's saying, we need a player, and they've all left and there's a couple who are just still there. And they come and you say, please, please, please. And they say, oh, OK, then you think... But you couldn't do that with Michael Ballack. He said, why? And, and so you'd say, oh, because you scored two goals against Newcastle in this season. He said, OK, I'll be here 2.15. 2.15, he was there. And there was one time it was snowing and we're on the side of the training field. And he'd agreed to do an interview. And you're always a little bit on edge because he just weren't... It was lovely, but you just weren't quite... He kept you on your toes. He was really... You couldn't ask him any old daft thing like, you know, do you like this sofa that we're sitting on? He'd just yes. look at you as if... So he came over to do the interview. Started the interview, and then this snowball with a lump of ice in it came flying through. Didier Drogba threw a snowball at him with ice in it, clonked him on the head and ran off. Michael Ballack just ran off with the microphone still attached, chased him around the car park three times. (laughs) I'm there thinking, oh no, we haven't got an interview, we haven't got a preview, we're in so much trouble, there are no players left, we have waited hours for this man. Still chasing him, three times (laughs) around a very large car park, uh, finally got him, and I'm just sort of, sort of in despair, walked back, stood in front of the camera, brushed himself off, said, silly man, and started again. <laughs> and I just thought, that's absolutely fabulous. But you're thinking, slightly terrifying, but then again, it's a little bit of the reputation. But he was simply, I want to know why you want to speak to me. And if you have a reason, then I'll talk to you. So it actually makes a lot of sense rather than we're desperate and we needed someone to speak to.
1: Yes, I often think as well when people say, oh, you need to go and interview so and so, what you really want them to want to tell you is, well, what do you want from the interview? What, what, what are you trying to get out of it? And actually, it would be useful also mm. for the person you're interviewing to be told similarly, what do you want to get out of it?
2: Is there someone is that- you really want to interview that you have? I imagine you have interviewed nearly everybody. <laughs>
1: <Is> there- <laughs> be- I don't know who you think <laughs> I am.
2: Is there, a- is there a wish list or a Rob Curling wish list of people to interview?
1: Yes. Probably, I might need a bit of time on that one. Uh, we haven't got time. Have no, we? we've got a, we've it got a plenty much time of time. You How can did come you back to get it? into journalism? Was it always sport, or did you? No, got, okay. it wasn't. I actually wanted to be a cameraman and ended up looking down the wrong end. And uh, I was a musician, sort of. I was a drummer, and someone said, "Look, would you like to come and present a music program for BBC Schools Television?" slightly out of the blue and I thought well that sounds fun it didn't happen and I thought oh maybe I could be a presenter then and I used to do some uh, for television training when they trained directors and PAs at the BBC they needed someone to sit in front of the camera and present their programmes and so I did that and just sent my that, my reels show reels around which was on sort of 35 millimeter film in those days and um, I ended up reading the news the regional news which was not what really I'd planned I thought you know music or fun bit of comedy would be would nice. cats up but trees by this cats point. Cats up trees. So it ended up being the news. And then the sports presenter on the programme I used to do uh, left the programme. And they said, well, would you like to, you've got curly hair and you wear a blazer. Would you like to come and present the sport?
0: Nice. But After how did the you then find your way to tennis?
1: Because Eurosport, I was still at the BBC then, but Eurosport were looking for a new tennis presenter. And their, their producer at Eurosport at the time had just come from the BBC. Right. And so he got in touch with me and um, said, would you like to come and present tennis on Eurosport? It's no oh, fab. It, it's not what you know, it's who you know, isn't it? It's uh, great. Yeah, and you're still <laughs> doing it? Yeah, up until the end of this year, and then it all changes next year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all up in the air. Who knows?
0: It's kind of exciting times, nerve-wracking times. The, the landscape of tennis is obviously massively changing with Amazon getting involved and, and all, all different sorts of things. Everybody,
1: it's, it's the hot topic, isn't it? Really, it really the is the hot topic. I, I feel a little bit sorry for the for the consumer, for the sports fan, because it's so fragmented now that you know even to watch a single sport in its entirety, you've got to sign up to two or three yeah. different systems. So if you want to watch. Men's tennis, you you'll be on Amazon from next year if you want to watch. Women's tennis, you've got to sign up to BT. Um, I mean, yeah, if you if you want to the grass watch grass court rugby. events
0: uh, for the women are on
1: Eurosport. They'll be on Eurosport, yeah. yeah so you've got to have your Sky subscription to watch Eurosport. So, I mean, it's getting so colossally expensive for, for the viewing public, isn't it? I think... I don't know how it improves, how it changes. Well,
0: I suppose it's a difficult balance, isn't it, because you, you want healthy competitiveness. You don't want one to, to hoover up everything, so you don't want everything to be on, on one particular channel in terms of all the different sports. But it's, So I can understand that being separated, but to have... A sport one individual sport being separated that's not football which just has masses and masses yeah. and masses of, of output like yeah. the, the slightly smaller sports I mean tennis is probably just one step down from that, and for that to be split up is yeah it, it, slightly, as I say slightly nervy times because no one really knows how it's going to go and how it will impact
1: the viewers, the amount of viewers yeah. whether they'll stay with it whether they'll search for it I think that's always the risk and the danger I mean the ATP through Chris Komodo in particular, have been very forward-thinking. He tends to be ahead of the game, doesn't he, all the time? No, hence Next Gen, looking ahead to how tennis might shape up in the future. I know they've sort of gone down fairly extreme lines uh, for some people, but I think, you know, after a few years, they'll start implementing elements of Next Gen just a little bit more and a little bit more. Probably not to the extent that it is... Being used in the next gen, I don't think sets will be four games. No, long or not. But we've already the seen team. the
0: shot clock come in, haven't we? This yeah, year, yeah, exactly. And it was it yeah. was brand new last year at the sh- at the next gen event. And yeah. it was amazing that yeah. in that time it was. What do you think about
2: on court coaching? Because it, it was interesting because <laughs> Tim him was speaking about this. Earlier came in to do an interview, and I was working with the BBC, and, and he yeah. just walked in saying, "My rant for today is encore coaching. It should never happen." We saw the headset coaching next gen. Yeah, it's still being officially trialled on the WTA, although it's been what? Eight oh no, it's years it's, it's so. on. It's on. I think it's it, no, but I think it's still called a trial. Really? I think it has never been oh, confirmed. You
1: sure
0: it? a really long time. I did really? not know that.
1: <laughs> so Why did I? So encore coaching for you, Rob? Yes or no? Oh, God. can I give a not straight answer? Okay. Because I I can see both sides of the story of... Well, the one for not on-court coaching is you should be out there and working things out for yourself as the player. So you have your coaching before you go on and then you cope with it and you work out how you get through it. And I like that. From a fan's perspective, it is often fascinating to hear what the coach says when they come down on court and talk to the player. Sadly, quite often, that's just when the broadcaster goes to a commercial break. Isn't it? So you as a viewer actually never hear any of that. Or it's in a language that they speak for three yeah. minutes and I hear forehand twice, and that's all I know yeah. from the no, conversation. you're absolutely right. So that, I, I, I know on the next-gen thing, with the headsets and everything, it's, it's, it adds to the entertainment a little bit. Um, I don't know which side I'm coming down on,
2: actually.
0: Mm. You're I think, against it? Well, no, I, I've, I've swung around. I wrote a blog a couple of years ago saying how I'd was was I was, i been watching it a lot on the WTA tour and I felt like it was having a negative impact on the players. I've kind of changed my view since then, really looking at it. I'm kind of with you. I think it needs tidying up. So the audience or the broadcasters need to know when it's going to happen. So that you've just got to put it at the end of sets. Um, yeah, because that, for it,
1: That's commercial break time. Uh, that's when the money comes in.
0: But you can put commercial break times other times. You're going to you're gonna have to move things around because they need to know when it's coming because if they go to commercial break when it's been on, it's difficult. Unless you can replay it in, that's, that's all right as well. It's not a problem.
1: That's, uh, the problem is, with I mean, com- timings for commercials, As a time to hit the end spot of that game. You go for your two-minute commercial break. When you're back, if you're lucky, you just get to them before they hit the first serve for the next for the restart yeah so it, that's the problem you get you miss an awful lot of uh, that's why it's great watching tennis actually on on the BBC because you have all the time you uh, can and soak gives, everything up it, it, yeah exactly soak everything up as if you were there but obviously you're getting much more as well but i mean the other thing of course is if on the on the women's tour if you're getting on court coaching on the tour come grand slams you're not allowed that And it does seem to affect... Quite a few of the players, isn't it? But
0: I, I quite like it because currently, with the men's, the Grand Slams is a step up in terms of a, a test because it goes from three sets to five sets. That's their step up, and for the women, it goes from having encore coaching to having no encore coaching. You have to then figure it out yourself. And again, it's a, it's a step up. These are the major events, and I, so I quite like that as a thing that it is different. And you, because the men have their thing, and the five sets makes it different and makes it tougher. And and maybe this makes it tougher in the Grand Slams. And I think the one thing that people forget and as much as often people say about the gladiatorial nature and figuring out themselves and that sort of thing. And and that is what makes tennis unique. But I think people do need to remember that tennis is pretty much the only sport where you cannot have access to coaching that lasts any length of time unless you are running a hundred meter race. You can't hear your coach shouting. It doesn't matter anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> but quite. as in, you know, Tour de France, you've got an earpiece in. In same in in, 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 that, in same in football league. Well, but it's, it doesn't last that long, and people can shout at you. I mean, in rowing, in rowing, <laughs> you're not going to hear them. You're not going to hear. You might hear you hear one word every kind of few <laughs> seconds when you your ear comes. Up. <laughs> no, but I think that's slightly different. But I mean, even in rowing, you have the coaches alongside on the bikes, kind of shouting things at their at their team and that table sort of tennis. Yeah, no, but but there's no but there's no rule but what I'm saying is there's no rule against it as in there's no so if you're if somebody's playing table people can shout advice it happens, we have a strict doesn't it? rule in tennis. Yeah, no, no, it does, but what I'm in fact
1: but should that I mean as a signal from the box what, should that actually be considered as coaching?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there is such a there's such a fine line between encouragement and coaching, and we have had this conversation, particularly since the US Open, in that, I mean, coaching happens everywhere, everywhere. I mean, for for me, almost in every match um, that I've seen, it, it just. It, it, going cross across that line from encouragement to coaching is just—it's so easily done, uh, and it is done, and that, that is just the way it is. And that is why the WTA brought it in because they just couldn't—they couldn't stop it. So it was just crazy to have a rule that was against it, and they just couldn't stop uh, coaches from from chatting and shouting. And there was a time where they were ejecting people from boxes, and it just—it was just not going to work. So then they they trialed it, and they just went, "Great, you've got your opportunity to speak, and so go for it." But I just. I just want people to remember if if they want tennis to remain as one of the most isolated sports in terms of when you're out there and the gladiatorial nature of you are by yourself from start to finish. You could be out there for over three hours. At slams, we we're looking at f- four hours, five hours sometimes in those matches and have not one word from any sort of coach. When you think about boxing, they sit down and get encouragement yeah, yeah. and a chat every, every few minutes. Yeah, they so it doesn't, make our athletes any weaker as a a thing it's just it's just a personal preference really and i'm kind of now coming i think for the women i've come down on the side that i do like the coaching because i like the fact that they have that through the tour and then it's a step up for the majors of like right okay now you're on your own you've had your chats from your coach all all through the last couple of months now off you go uh and and i like that that mirrors the men's in terms of it's it's a step up in physicality for them but i'm not sure about doing it with the men
2: Bob, did you ever interview Naomi when she was an up-and-coming
1: <laughs> player on your travels? I sadly never got the chance.
2: <laughs> did
0: I you know did? who I was? <laughs> yes, of <laughs> course <laughs> I did.
1: <laughs> I never got the chance. I did re- try once to interview Arvin Palmer. Tr- what do you mean try? Did well, not- he oh, he's couldn't slippery. string a sentence together. <laughs> <laughs> he was quite young. And I think it was, it was on the top of the broadcast centre roof after it just opened at Wimbledon. And because it was regional news, it had to be a player who was competing who was from the region... And so we have got Arvin Palmer, and he—I mean, listening to him now, he can't stop, can't stop himself, can he? <laughs> he's a very but good broadcaster. He's a right? brilliant It's amazing to think that. I know, no, he—he—he he, he, he just didn't want to know. Oh, you know these, maybe it these was you. kids. I think I intimidated him. <laughs> I think maybe I did. So, but no, I. I and similarly with Barry Cowan, I got hold of him when he nearly beat Pete Sampras on Court Number One. Oh. And how
2: was he in that? He
1: was—he really was, was quite good actually, Baz. <laughs> he was very good still plugged oh, into his music. Do you remember he used to have his, uh, his earphones in, didn't he?
0: You'll never walk alone. I think you're right. That's oh, what yes. he was listening to. And yes, then they course. banned him because of technology. Oh. Which I just thought was a bit nonsense because really he could shame. be communicating with somebody. I mean, it was just a cassette player, wasn't yeah. It? it? Yeah, was no, it was. So, I mean, and actually that's another thing where we are in this sport, unbelievably strict when it comes to technology. Joanna Conter was playing a match and at Fed Cup this Joanna? year. when. No, yeah. is it?
1: I, I'm i really lost on She says it's Joe. Well, she doesn't like Joe, does she, for the start? <laughs> but that's the shortened version. Johanna. Yes. She doesn't like being called Joe, apparently. She likes the full oh, version. Oh, she doesn't oh, like Johanna.
0: Oh, okay. But well, I Joanna thought, well, I thought it or was Joe. It's not Joanna. Let's go with Conta. Conta.
2: So we're going with Cavaday yeah, and Conta. Okay. Conta and we've got Gigi and Rob.
1: Let's so play. <laughs> we
0: can say played. our names.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: okay yeah that's fair enough easy enough Conta was uh, playing a Fed Cup and she was wearing uh, basically a Fitbit but some sort of heart rate monitor on her wrist and hmm. uh, she was told to take it off you're not allowed you're not allowed any form of technology on the court because of communication because it could be an Apple oh, watch okay. and your, te- okay. your coach could be texting you but we see so it's much so technology in all other it? sports as I say people have earpieces in and, and you have all sorts of things tracking everything that you're doing one thing I do want to know is if you could wear a heart rate monitor around your, your chest as you play probably you could I but would have thought so best place you, to wear in, it in, in, let's face in it in rugby they've got um,
1: <laughs> near the heart yeah
0: in rugby they have those little things in their back In the back that, of the shirt Yeah, and they have a little pocket for them in the back it's of the like shirt sort of and that
1: just sat-nav, isn't it, almost? Yeah. It tra- tracks their... It tells the coach uh, when yeah. they're done Legs left, are empty And yeah. <laughs> actually, talking about straight. technology in rugby I don't know if you remember the Rugby World Cup 2003 Who won that? Oh, it was England and Martin Johnson was... Uh, there was a nude style of water bottle And it had a f- sort of three oh, fins yes. on the top And people, They now are everywhere People thought that he was communicating to the bench <laughs> Through the bottle, mm-hmm. because he would hold it up to his mouth, and he did seem to sort of have some slightly weird lip movements, you know, before you know, sort of puckering up before suction took place, <laughs> and people actually said, "Is Martin Johnson communicating with the bench think, through his water oh, I think, bottle?" I think I know the title of this podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's going to be called Weird
2: before Lip suction. Movements Before Suction Takes Place. Yeah. Suction takes well, place.
1: we've all seen it. <laughs> haven't we? We've all done it, actually, haven't okay. we? To a certain extent, <laughs> haven't we? Just right. <laughs> sofas are comfortable, aren't they? I uh, old Naomi yes, has that's uh, me has shown interest in wanting the to take all these sofas uh, away. has, but how are you going to do that? Well, well on your bike. Just
0: w- <laughs> oh my bike. No, you know what? It was just a, a friend of mine is currently sofa shopping, but you know, sofa shopping for the one, as in splashing right. out big time. This yeah. is going to be a sofa for a very long time, a large part of your life. Yeah. I this don't think this thing. sofa would be that for me. No, 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 not at all. But is it velour? Is, no, what, is it's, this what it's, they call It's velvet. Velour? It's velvet. <laughs>
1: it's velvet.
0: I but she was saying I that. Think it's it's I think it's velour. I think
1: it's velour. You did say earlier you have no taste. <laughs> Your words, not ours. Isn't that right, Gigi?
2: Yeah, no, completely. It's basically yeah. plastic. What's your taste? I'm not, sure.
1: <laughs> no not allowed plastic.
0: <laughs> no plastic. No. Well, anyway, so she was telling me that she was going to get a velour sofa. And I thought, I've never <laughs> sat on one before. And she was going shopping, so I couldn't really advise her because she was going shopping. And then I turn up and here they well, are. Well, you thought you hadn't until now because you thought you were sitting on a velvet. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so,
2: <laughs> she was quite confused when I was communicating sort of, with her the other it's day. It's faux
1: <laughs> velvet, isn't it? F-A-U-X. That's it's it. Faux. <laughs> That's what I mean, right? Faux. faux velvet. I like the
2: spelling oh, thing. <laughs> just in
1: case. <laughs> well, it's just this French thing. We, oh, yeah, it's so difficult to leave it behind. Wow. It's been in the family for so long.
2: And have yeah. you, obviously, know Naomi quite well? Have you ever tried any of her baking and her cooking? Never been offered.
1: you never offered, or any been of your offered
0: legendary shortbread. Or, <laughs> yeah, you oh, you see, I don't
1: have a particularly sweet tooth or tooth if you're Welsh. Do you not like shortbread? But. but I love shortbread.
0: Okay, right, I'm gonna make you some shortbread.
1: Oh would you? Yes. Is that an absolute promise?
0: That's an absolute promise. Do you
1: Do you pollute your shortbread? With other things.
0: No, no. Just pure shortbread. Yeah,
1: it's much better. And it
0: it is the best recipe in the world, I'm telling you. Is it really? Yeah. It's not my recipe, so I'm not taking credit for it. I just bake it. Could it it be be polluted with anything or absolutely not?
1: No, I don't think so. so. You get sort of chocolate buttons and yeah, chips. But don't you? See, and that's, I, I don't like that.
0: I say the same thing about having a dessert, a chocolate dessert, any sort of chocolate cake or chocolate mousse or chocolate anything. Yeah. Why would you put anything in it? Why are you ruining my chocolate? Do you have a
1: specialty? Mm. Do you bake, cook? Is there a- <laughs> I bake, I can barely heat up. An- Actually, I still haven't quite mastered boiling an egg. It, it, no, well, I mean, I know how you're supposed to do it. I Actually, my Bible at home is a book which has been absolutely brilliant. It's called How to Boil an Egg. And it starts, that's the page it starts on. And it just is brilliant for just the very basics of cooking. I, I recommend it to everybody and anybody, even if you're a great cook. No, maybe, no, you wouldn't need that book. But it's called How to Boil an Egg, and it's in my kitchen drawer by, the end, boil, Rob, yeah. By the end of the book, it
0: starts with how boiling an egg. But the end, he hadn't done
2: the how to boil an egg. Does oh. that mean you haven't gone past the opening page? I think I missed that page.
0: Well, I was just thinking too that simple. if the beginning it, it, too is... Too simple, actually. Yeah. The beginning was starting with how to boil an egg, and it's called how to boil an egg. By yeah. the end of the book, is the egg boiled?
1: It's not well, a book probably, about how to boil an egg. Boiled. It's called How to Boil an Egg. It's, but it's not a book
0: on then. how to boil an egg. <laughs> Very hard boiled.
1: No, 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 no. She's missed a point, hasn't she? Uh, yeah, it's not, an, it's not 50 pages of, of that.
2: It's um, if our title it's... of our podcast is Then Suction Took Place. <laughs> <laughs> before <laughs> before <laughs> Suction before <laughs> Took <laughs> Place. Yeah. no, that's mean, cru- yeah, that mean the is whole crucial. content is going to be about yeah. suction taking place.
0: Well, it could be. No, I don't you really do have that. A,
1: yeah uh, savory food I'm Big on savoury, I'm right? Not so, I can, I don't have to have what's a What's
0: So, I mean, you obviously work long days. Tennis tournaments oh. are long days, right? Because basically, most tennis tournaments run from eleven am to eleven pm. Mm. It's kind of a standard. It's a twelve-hour day. Plus, you've got to do your prep before, yeah. wrapping up afterwards. Oh, have you?
1: That sort of thing. Is that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> right.
0: Not if you're such a super pro,
2: like. Put you. on the suit, grab the tennis
0: racket, and you're ready. <laughs> they are long days. So, what sort they of? Are. What's your go-to snack? through the day or, or... What,
1: through the days here at the O2? No, any, any
0: anyway, anywhere, whenever you're Anyway, if doing you're on-site a at a tournament,
2: what, what sort of, if you have a little bag of bits that oh, you need to hear uh,
1: well, the, the, my worst, my absolute downfall is peanuts. Ooh. It's uh, not much of a downfall. It's they're a terrible reasonably downfall. reasonably How many are you consuming? I could consume pots. Oh, really? Not even bags. The, the actual pot things you get. Ah. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I don't think... I, Uh, My appetite might be quite healthy. What I eat, but it's just the the levels of consumption might be a little (laughs) little over the top. So as long as you've got a little pot of peanuts, yeah, I'm happy. But I know it's wrong because I I have no self discipline, no self control. With peanuts or well, all sorts of things actually. But at this moment, peanuts. I can't. I can't stop once I start with them.